Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com, by L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors, llbean.com, by Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels, celestron.com, and by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee, birdsandbeans.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 663. Starting off with a little bird-related dinosaur news. In a paper published in the journal Pier J, a report from a team of paleontologists from Ludwig Maximilian University of Munich says that a pristine fossil unearthed in northern Bavaria has been determined to be the oldest fossil bird ever discovered. The fossil belongs to a type of Archaeopteryx with sharp teeth, dinosaur claws, tail, and well-developed bird feathers and represents a turning point in evolution because it has some characteristics of theropod dinosaurs and some of modern birds. The scientists say it's the perfect example of a transitional fossil between birds and dinosaurs. Some say Tom Brady is a fossil. I don't know after what happened last week, but proof that New England fans are over the Super Bowl loss to Philadelphia last Sunday comes from noted Boston Globe sports columnist Dan Shaughnessy, who in a piece this week referencing the stadium where the game was played, wrote, Situated in the middle of a migratory bird pathway, U.S. Bank Stadium, with its unique architecture and reflective glass, is a death trap for birds who mistake the edifice for open sky. It's a serious problem being studied by local environmentalists. So writes Dan Shaughnessy in the Boston Globe. Hundreds and hundreds of birds we hear uh, killed by crashing into the reflective glass in that stadium. On the plus side at the stadium, according to a story from Earth911.com, the NFL and its environmental partners made an effort to redirect about 90% of the trash on game day. That's estimated to involve about 40 tons of disposables. Aramac, uh, Aramark, which runs food and beverage services at the stadium, replaced dozens of traditional items, including straws, trays, utensils, and packaged peanuts, with eco-friendlier versions including compostable cups and utensils and other designated items with bins for compostable discards clearly labeled in the venue. So some environmentally positive things going on inside U.S. Bank Stadium. Now they just need to fix the outside. Well, here's a quick round of bad news, good news from Pennsylvania Avenue. The bad news first, the Trump administration has reversed a key policy for protecting migratory birds. I think we've mentioned this before, but more detail has emerged. Officials say a century-old federal law is outdated and poses a burden for utilities and energy companies. Under the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, utility companies could be held responsible for those bird deaths, even though they didn't mean to kill the birds. The law has been used to hold the energy industry accountable for example, as partial grounds for a $100 million settlement with BP 
for birds killed during the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. But now the Interior Department says it won't go after these accidental deaths, asserting that doing so goes beyond the original intent of the 1918 law. Now the good news. The White House late on Saturday confirmed plans to withdraw the nomination of a climate change skeptic with ties to the fossil fuel industry to serve as the president's top environmental advisor. The now former nominee, Kathleen Hartnett White, is not a scientist and has compared the work of mainstream climate scientists to, quote, the dogmatic claims of ideologues and clerics, end quote. And in a Senate hearing last November, she defended her past statements in which she said that particulate pollution released by burning fuels is not harmful unless one were to suck on a car's tailpipe. She's also suggested that the use of fossil fuels helped end slavery. Extra, extra, read all about it. Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. Our Facebook page now renamed Talkin' Birds Radio Show. The folks at Manomet, Manomet Science Center, have made a short video of an actively feeding snowy owl. It's kind of cool, and we'll link you to it. More indications of how serious ocean plastic pollution has become with new evidence of its severe impact on coral reefs. And Bowdoin College in Maine has a cool little Nature Moments video that asks and attempts to answer the question, why do different bird species seem to have different personalities? Yeah, they really have figured this out to some extent. And that's some of what we have you uh, for you on our Facebook page right now. You can also find those stories through an online search. That there is the kind of uh, understated sound of our mystery bird. It's a preview here of our mystery bird contest. I want you to be ready to call in for it when we uh, give, the, uh, give the signal a little bit later on in the program. Here's a couple of clues. Our mystery bird is kind of a larger West Coast version of a colorful and popular seabird of the North Atlantic. It dives for fish from the water's surface. In breeding season, our bird has a bold white face mask and golden head plumes. Its body is black and its large bill is reddish-orange with a bright orange-yellow plate over the base. We have a big batch of prizes here this morning for the correct answer person on our mystery bird contest or for somebody who uh, wins in the drawing if nobody gets the right answer. We have a Droll Yankees bottoms-up finch feeder. Not so great for house sparrows, but for terrific for lots of other birds that can hang upside down and feed. Bonus prizes from Audubon Park, an entire full case of peanut delight suet. We'll be talking more about suet a little bit later on on this morning's show, by the way. Plus a download of the amazing LarkWire app, the award-winning app for mastering bird sounds. Little disclaimer, we love to hear from our listeners in Canada, but some of our prizes can be sent to U.S. addresses only. Well, Boston area birder Stuart Walker posted a pretty cool observational piece this week on the Mass Bird Forum about a scene he witnessed in the middle of the city, right by the famous Boston Common, and he called the piece Life and Death at Lunch. And it went something like this. 
At noon today, I watched as an amorphous shifting ball of pigeons and starlings desperately outmaneuvered an exhibitor, a sharpie, I think, sharpshinned hawk, at the corner of Tremont and Boylston Streets in Boston. The action took place above that intersection and the adjacent piece of the common over the heads of hundreds of people oblivious to the life and death struggle taking place right above them. The pigeons took refuge on the window ledges of a building and the hawk took up a position on a tree across the street. After a time, the hawk lifted off and flew straight at the pigeons who panicked and scattered and escaped, except for one. But the hawk lost its grip on its way back to the tree and the pigeon fell with an audible thump down onto Tremont Street. The hawk wheeled, but the pigeon gathered itself and flew at street level, barely above the sidewalk, into an alley where it disappeared. The hawk resumed its post and the pigeons returned to the ledges. I looked in the alley, but the pigeon was nowhere to be seen. I went to get my lunch. I don't know if the hawk got its. Thanks to Stuart Walker for sharing that urban, that urban avian observation in the middle of the great city of Boston. Here's our conservation salute of the week. It goes to the great singer-songwriter Paul Simon announced this week that he is going to retire from touring. After all these years. Yeah, and this spring is aptly named Homeward Bound. The farewell tour will be his last. Paul Simon, who is 76, says he still expects to do occasional performances at selected venues. And that leads us to the part that explains why we're offering him a conservation salute. It's because he says he will donate the proceeds of those occasional performances to philanthropies, quote, whose objective is to save the planet ecologically, end quote. Paul Simon's farewell tour kicks off May 16th in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and is expected to wrap up on June 20th in Nashville, Tennessee. Paul, we love you like a rock. Well, last week's conservation salute went to McDonald's, yes, of hamburger fame, because they announced they were phasing out all of their very environmentally unfriendly plastic foam packaging and planning to replace it all with biodegradable material. Well, guess who is following McDonald's lead? America runs on Dunkin'. That's right. Dunkin' Donuts says they too will soon phase out the use of plastic foam for their cups and containers. So good for you, Dunkin' Donuts. And here's just a little two-part fantastic plastic story to warm the hearts of all who continue to be horrified by what excessive plastic use is doing to our planet. British supermarket chain Iceland has pledged to either eliminate or drastically reduce plastic packaging in its store brand products by 2023, a pledge that has received widespread media attention and consumer approval. And it's a massive commitment considering that the company has more than 800 stores across Britain. Meanwhile, back here in the USA, a petition drive is underway to encourage Whole Foods supermarkets, now owned by Amazon, to eliminate plastic packaging in their stores. We'll be watching to see how that unwraps. Meanwhile, we'd like to say thank you to some more Talking Birds ambassadors. Thank you to Patty from Salt Lake City, Utah. She says she just started listening 
to the show, and she says she loves it. Well, we love you, Patty. Thank you so much for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. Thanks to Bernie Taylor from Portland, Oregon. Thank you, Bernie, for becoming an ambassador. We learned that Bernie is also the author of a new book that explores birds in Paleolithic cave art called Before Orion, Finding the Face of the Hero. He says it contains an image of a fledgling golden eagle in the El Castillo cave in Spain from 34,000 years ago, standing on the shoulder of a man, and that the eagle's maturation tells us the time of year that the artist etched the image. And there are other birds in the book, says Bernie, such as the now extinct great auk, along with images that picture how shamans used the birds. Sounds pretty fascinating, and we look forward to reading it and talking with Bernie about it on the show here in the near future. And thanks to Dr. Josh from Milburn, New Jersey, our newest Talking Birds ambassador, and he has a great little story about becoming a birder. He says, I'm a 58-year-old grizzled geriatrician who happened to be riding a bike in Sandy Hook, New Jersey last summer. I stopped by chance to chat with a man with a spotting scope on the bayside. He had a gorgeous oyster catcher in his scope and was generous with his time and good humor, and I was hooked. I now have my life list. I go on Audubon hikes, have a complete set of feeders, and saw my first great horned owl at a new birding site at a reclaimed landfill in Linden, New Jersey. And the good doctor says he saw yours truly featured in the Boston Common Walk on PBS and that he is now working his way through dozens of archived Talking Birds episodes. I'm flying high, he says, and would love to bring friends and family along for this breathtaking ride. How cool is that? And he adds a PS. He says, I'm an amateur claw hammer banjoist, too. So I love the intro and outro to Mike's updates. <laughs> we thank you so much, Dr. Josh, for the story and comments for, and for becoming our latest Talking Birds ambassador. And we'll think of you each time we hear that banjo music for Mike O'Connor's segment here on the show. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join uh, Dr. Josh and Bernie and Patty in our Talking Birds ambassadors program Hand out some of our info cards to your friends and associates to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. It's easy to do, easy to sign up for. Just click on the contact button at TalkinBirds.com. That's Talkin' as in Duncan. Yeah, no G. TalkinBirds.com and click the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll visit with Mike, and as we kind of uh, hinted at a few moments ago, we'll talk about suet and why it's just so, so darn special. And up next, a bird that some say can forecast rain is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Walking along a trail at the Corkscrew Swamp Sanctuary in West Naples, Florida, a couple winters ago, we spotted a bird skulking in a tall bush, and we were pretty sure of its identity, with its slender body, downward-curving black bill, and long tail 
we figured it had to be a black-billed cuckoo. But the color wasn't quite right, a little too gray. And we noticed the bird's black mask and buff-colored belly and the clincher yellow on the underside of the bill. That didn't make it a yellow-billed cuckoo. It made it today's featured feathered friend, Coxysis minor, the mangrove cuckoo. It's a tropical bird that's found almost nowhere in the U.S. except South Florida, foraging for caterpillars, grasshoppers, insect larvae, and sometimes bird eggs and nestlings in mangrove swamps, thickets, and scrub. The mangrove cuckoo used to be considered fully migratory, heading to the Caribbean and points south for the winter, but more and more individual birds are apparently remaining in South Florida throughout the year. Like other cuckoo species, the mangrove cuckoo has four toes on each foot in what's called the zygodactyl arrangement, two toes facing forward and two facing back, unlike the three forward and one back arrangement of most other perching birds. Other members of the mangrove cuckoo's family include the smooth-billed and groove-billed ani, and maybe surprisingly, the greater roadrunner. And our bird shares a nickname with its black-billed and yellow-billed brethren, rain crow, since these three cuckoo species seem to often call just before a rain shower. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend, one of the rain crows, Coxysis minor, the mangrove cuckoo. Well, thanks again for being with us here on Talking Birds. Here in our show, number uh, 663, we always extend the invitation to visit our website. We kind of like it. We hope you would. It's TalkinBirds.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talking Birds. Coming up here, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name is Jeremy Schwartz, and I'm from Seattle, Washington. One of the places I hand out the Talking Birds ambassador cards is at work. I've really found that my coworkers are really enthusiastic about my interest in birds, and being able to share something as simple as a radio show or podcast about birds is something I'm glad to be able to do. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, talkingbirds.com, click on the contact button, and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at talkingbirds.com. And thanks. It's our Mystery Bird Contest, and it's sponsored by Audubon Park Wild Bird Food. Look for Audubon Park next time you're buying food for your backyard birds. If you're new to our show, here's how the Mystery Bird Contest works. We give some clues, we play the sound of the bird, and we invite you to call in and tell us what you think it is. If you have the right answer and you're first with that answer, you would be the winner. And if you don't have the right answer, you could still be the winner because if nobody does have the right answer... A drawing will determine our winner. And if you haven't been a winner here within six months on Talking Birds, well, that would make you eligible to give us a call from wherever. 
The number is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. If you're not hearing our show live, don't forget, go to TalkingBirds.com and figure out how to do that. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty easy. Tim and I have figured out how to do it, right? Yeah, it's pretty easy. TalkingBirds.com would be the place. Here's the sound of our mystery bird. Doesn't sound like much, but it's the best we could do. Our mystery bird is kind of a larger West Coast version of a colorful and popular seabird of, North, of the North Atlantic. It dives for fish from the water's surface. In breeding season, our bird has a bold white face mask and golden head plumes. Its body is black and its large bill is reddish-orange with a bright orange-yellow plate over the base. That's a bright orange-yellow plate over the base. That's our mystery bird. 781-837-4900 is the number. We have a batch of prizes starting with the Droll Yankees Bottoms Up Finch Feeder. Droll Yankees, makers of the world's best bird feeders. Bonus prizes, a full case of Audubon Park Peanut Delight Suet, and a download of the amazing LarkWire app, the award-winning app for mastering bird sounds. So that's our mystery bird contest. Number again is 781-837-4900. And speaking of uh, suet, we're going to talk to Mike O'Connor about that particular topic. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. It's February, National Bird Feeding Month, and our friends at Audubon Park remind us that birds are counting on us for nutritious, high-energy food to help them cope with cold weather conditions. Look for Audubon Park Wild Bird Food and be confident that you're providing the proper nutrition for your backyard visitors. And for the best photos, news, alerts, and more, sign up for Audubon Park's free e-newsletter sent to your inbox once a month. Sign up at AudubonPark.com. That's AudubonPark.com. Now a word from our friends at Birdwatching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Want some tips on backyard birding? Birdwatching Magazine has published a handy booklet that's yours to download for free. The 16-page guide includes practical field-tested answers to your most important questions about the birds in your backyard, from food to birdhouses, from those cute hummingbirds to those troublemaking birds. Go to birdwatchingdaily.com to get your backyard Q&A booklet. Mike O'Connor is known by many, many fancy titles and honorifics, among them Sultan of Suet. And that particular title <laughs> is particularly relevant today because that, I believe, is the topic. Am I correct uh, about that, Mike? Oh, you, you nailed it. But more Thank importantly, you. how about that guy who likes the theme music? How about that? Ah, yeah, our friend uh, Dr. Josh, the banjoist. Doctor, I think well, you ought to have him do a live yeah, rendition of that, live introduction music from now on. That is a great idea. Talking uh, Birds is a Orchestra. Great idea. <laughs> we'll Joe. ask him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, good. I love it. All right. Uh, yes, so uh, Suet, I mean, uh, did you, when we talked off the air before, you, you, I think you said some people didn't really know much about Suet or never thought of, of 
feeding birds suet? Is that true? Well, some people, though, you know, a lot of my customers come in and they, you know, they put out, well, I got cardinals and chickadees. What yeah. else can I do? And I mention suet. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, obviously it's a popular item, but some people don't think of it right away. Not everybody does. And, mm-hmm. you know, not every bird is a seed eater. And some birds are insect eaters, or we'll, we'll call for want of a better term, meat eaters. Mm-hmm. And so in the, in the wintertime, the, those options are limited. So people put out suet. And you get right away. You'll get woodpeckers. Not only will get downy and hairy woodpeckers, but mm. you'll get surprising red-bellied woodpeckers and redhead woodpeckers, even sapsuckers. But you also get a bonus of like warblers, wintering warblers like yellow rumps and bluebirds. People seem to freak out of bluebirds, so that's a good alternative. Sewer comes in a bunch of different ways. The most convenient is the kind you can buy in just about any kind of grocery store, hardware store, bird watching specialty store. It's, it's all in these little cakes. They're usually cheap. They're a buck or two. Um, but in, they have grain in them so they don't spoil or they don't drip. So they're good for the summer. But in the winter, you can actually use raw sewer, grocery store sewer, like we all used to use growing up. We used mm-hmm. just to buy that uh, slab of disgusting white suet that used to be free now they charge a little bit for it but it's still really inexpensive mm-hmm. trouble is it spoils when it gets warm so you have to use it now while it's cold and that's a that's a really good alternative to you know spending money on the factory suet that you know people money grubbing retailers like me sell but another popular item that um that's become really popular are what they call suet plugs and there's these little tubes of suet, maybe about four inches long, maybe about an inch round. And instead of putting in a, a traditional suet cage, um, you put it in like a log, like a maybe a log that's maybe a foot long, 18 inches long, and they have these one-inch holes drilled through the log, and then you just jam these plugs in there. And the woodpeckers really seem to prefer that because they can cling to the log, which is more natural, and then they... They take the, the beak and they hammer out through these holes, the, the, the pieces of suet. And those have become very popular when I was in Arizona a little bit ago. And all the woodpeckers seemed to be fighting over these logs. It was Arizona woodpeckers and acorn woodpeckers. And it was, it was, and I've, you know, it's, it's funny, I sell these, but I've never even tried one myself because I kind of live in a, a non woodpecker area. I don't have many trees, but I have to try that because it, that sounds like a, a really nice alternative. Yeah, very natural, natural look about it too, right? Right, but the unnatural part of that is uh, the birds compete with the, the other creatures for that, right. for the suet. So we can talk about that, how to how to support those next week. Okay, yeah, uh, next week all the bad things that uh, kind of counteract everything you just said about good <laughs> things about suet. That's right. <laughs> next week. Thank you, Mike. Okay. You're welcome. Talk to you next week. All right, Mike O'Connor down there at the Bird Watchers General Store on beautiful Cape Cod. I don't recycle. I mean, we can just find another planet for your kids to live on, you know? Log on to yougottobekidding.org and learn about all the ways you can recycle. Hey, recycling's just not my thing. Don't be that guy. Log on to yougottobekidding.org. And now we're back at the Mystery Bird Contest. Our mystery bird, kind of a larger West Coast version of a colorful and popular seabird of the North Atlantic. It dives for fish from the water's surface. We have a whole bench, a batch of prizes here. What do you think it is? 781-837-4900 uh, is the number. And we have uh, Ethan, I believe, in Sandwich, Illinois. All right. Good morning, Ethan. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Tell us about uh, Sandwich, Illinois, for those of us who don't know about it. Well, right now it's very cold and miserable. We're right in the middle of a blizzard, but other Ooh. than that, it's a very nice little town. I love living there. Sorry I asked, but uh, where, whereabouts is it? 
It is in northern Illinois. Northern Illinois. All right, Sandwich, Illinois. Okay, Ethan, what about our mystery bird here? I am going to guess that it is a tufted puffin. Uh, let me see what it says here. Yes, it says tufted puffin. Absolutely correct. Hey, hey nice work. We have the beautiful Droll Thank Yankees you. feeder for you. Uh, how about a bonus uh, question? Would you go for that for our bonus prizes? You know, I'm pretty green when it comes to bird watching, but I'll take a shot at it. Okay, well, I think you're going to do okay on this one, but we'll see. Uh, here's the question. How many, this is a multiple choice, by the way, how many feathers uh, does a typical Canada goose have? Would it be A, 500, B, 1,000, C, up to 25,000, or D, none? They've all gone to make those Canada goose parkas. That's just, I'm just, I, I got to take that back because the folks that make those parkas say that uh, they obtain down only from byproducts of the poultry industry. So, don't want to leave the wrong impression. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, which, what do you think the answer is there? I go with C. Up to 25,000? Yeah, a lot of feathers on those Canada geese. Nice work, Ethan. Stay on the line, we'll get your address and send those prizes out to you. Will do. Thank you. Love the show. Thanks very much, Ethan. In uh, Sandwich, Illinois, correctly identifying the tufted puffin as our mystery bird. That would uh, exhaust our time, I believe, Tim, for uh, this morning's show. And uh, we want to thank you so much. Next week, the one, the only, the birdist, a.k.a. Nick Lund, creator of the birdist rules of birding at Audubon.org, will be our special guest. Thanks to Mark Duffield, Debbie Bleacher, and our engineer, Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. And we'll see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. And by Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com.